Welcome to episode 21 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Kimmy Dexter. And I know I'm excited this week. You must be even more so. I'm so excited to finally talk about my favorite Batman villain. And, I mean, not only is he a great villain, well, we've had arguments before in the podcast about this. Yeah. Uh, but this is, I think, one of the best episodes I love the whole it. show. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is probably the one I've seen the most. Uh, I realized watching this episode, I had like a click towards the end when I saw the gold figurines. This was the very first episode I ever saw. Really? Of Batman. Yeah. Uh, OK, to clarify I, for people, we're talking about if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Yes. Uh, the, the Riddler's first appearance yeah. in Batman, the animated series. Where? Where? Did you see it on TV? Or yes. Okay. I just, it was one of those moments where it just kind of clicked and it was, I, I, it's like, you remember the whole scene set up? I don't know if you have these like weird flashbacks, but I remember, uh, I had this, <laughs> this lazy Susan, my, my parents had this lazy Susan mm-hmm. growing up that they never actually installed in the kitchen. It was just kind of in the corner. And so what I would do as a kid is I would stand on it and just kind of spin and I'd eat cereal while spinning on the lazy Susan. <laughs> Why? Because I was seven and that's what seven year olds do. And I remember doing that and watching this episode and thinking it was so cool. And this was my very first. (laughs) What the fuck? It's probably a little too much information there. No, it's it's fascinating. I mean, that is what kids do. I guess if I had a lazy Susan on the floor, I'd also. Yeah, we also had like a mini trampoline, but that's fine. It was a Dr. Pepper trampoline. What the? Okay, I don't (laughs) It's bizarre. I, I do think it's funny you have such specific flashbacks because I don't I remember watching this a lot because I had a a VHS copy of like two Riddler episodes. Okay. This one included. So that's why I've seen this one more than any other ones. It's this one and then uh I think maybe his third episode, which is like him making the little toys. Okay. I don't know, we'll I don't get to it eventually as well. But yeah, so I for me, like this it's it was almost like when I sat down to rewatch it for the podcast it was like i was sitting down to watch mask of the phantasm like i had that sort of reaction like i've even watching i watched it twice this week actually <laughs> and watching it both times and doesn't feel like an episode of the show for me it feels like a little mini movie yeah i kind of wish because you know we we watched um not man of steel we watched heart of steel last week oh yeah uh, i kind of wish this would have been i mean i don't know how they would have stretched it out but i kind of wanted him to have a two-parter yeah it it's just so I don't know. It's very clean. Mm-hmm. Like it's straightforward. It's a lot of fun. It's incredibly well animated too. Yeah, I was. I think the animation of this is better than some of the other episodes, or maybe that's just my brain telling me that. I don't know. It, I think it's they kind of bring in. It's not really a different color palette, but they bring in brighter, a brighter aesthetic to this episode. I think yeah, it's odd with the maze and the different. Well, it's um I don't remember who directed it. But oh, it it's is. um the co-creator Eric Radomski. Okay, I I think this is no, this isn't his first episode. Someone is it? Is it his first episode directing? I don't remember seeing his name as a director might, before. I think it might be. I um, have the internet open in front of me. I could look this up. But I I did read a little bit about um it was kind of their experimental episode. They kind of played with camera angles a little bit more. They you know they're they're building into the cinematography world. It's not just a oh okay I can see that generic yeah. cartoon anymore like they're they're making it these mini feats of cinema it yeah it is more cinematic than a lot mm-hmm. of the ones okay yeah so. especially toward I mean even the like the opening scene Radomsky. and the and the big fight scene in the end you can really get that disorienting effect with the cinematography 
I mean, why don't we just you just want to jump right into it so I can yeah. start talking about it? Yeah, or hang on. So there's two ways to do this. We can just do it the normal way, or knowing that we're gonna have so much more to talk about on the regular episode, <laughs> do we just want to flip it and do like Joker's Wild real quick to kind of get through it? Uh, sure. I mean, yeah, I, I do you have a lot of notes on Joker's Wild? I have basically nothing. Um, no, not really. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Joker's Wild. Okay, let's yeah, let's let's just let's, we're gonna tease the audience a little exactly, bit. Exactly, of course. We're gonna play with the format a little bit. I figured we have tons to talk about with Riddler, so rather than like having to cut ourselves off, mm-hmm. uh, let's get the other business out of the way. Um, so as with I think most Joker episodes written by Paul Dini, mm-hmm. so it's it's good. I think the only reason it doesn't seem as good is because we're pairing it with uh the Riddler episode. Yeah. But it's still very solid. Um so I'm I'm gonna go through this really fast because I really want to talk about Riddler instead yeah. for people who haven't watched either of these episodes. I think Joker's wild is very entertaining. It and is for, for a villain. That's, I mean, Joker isn't the villain in this episode. Technically no. in actually kind of both these episodes, we have other villains yeah. sort of, which and is kind this, of fun. I think this is the best non villain villainous scheme in the show. I think it's oh, the most okay. I think it's the best thought out okay. scheme we've you know had what? in a Batman episode. I, I will give you that. It actually does hold up pretty well. Yeah. Um, so just I, I also love how this episode opens because it opens at Arkham and this show gets to do what like the movies don't, which is have moments the villains interact. So Joker is basically fucking with Poison Ivy by changing the channel on her. We get Scarecrow and Matt Hatter in the background. Like maybe, maybe now that we have the extended universe, we'll get these little moments where they can literally bring in characters for a day. Um, they'll probably do that, but they won't be good. Let's be yeah. perfectly honest. Um, and it won't be anyone we care about. No, because of course there's not. no way they're going to bring in Margot Robbie or Will Smith for a day on set. Um, I don't mean we say that, but Marvel does it all the time. But I think it's because they kind of care about their characters more. Like right that's now, there's tr- a big, okay, you know, that's true. Small tangent. There's the big talk of um, of Hugh Jackman being in Deadpool 2, even though Logan is supposed to be his retirement as Wolverine. Um, well, yeah, there was talk about that, but mm-hmm. uh, the, a lot oh, of people. No, are, no, wait, no, is it Logan and Deadpool 2 or the our, the rumor I heard was that Deadpool was going to be in Logan? And that at least the director of Logan, James Mangold, come out and said no, just because he doesn't want people to have that expectation. But I haven't heard much about the opposite. That- there, there's been um, like interviews with the two of them together. Mm-hmm. They've been there's been a lot of press with Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman together. Yeah, so I know. a lot of people are rumoring that. Okay. And what I think is going to happen is it's Hugh Jackman is going to be in the movie as himself, and Deadpool is going to oh, think he's Wolverine. That would and be really funny because mm-hmm. I know there was that that tweet they got put out recently it was the two of them and pierce brosnan and everyone's like yeah pierce brosnan has cable which is weird but i'd be kind of down with that because i i do love brosnan yeah he won't be singing hopefully so that'll be fine we will <laughs> uh back to batman Sorry back to that. batman um so joker changes the channel on poison ivy we see on the news that uh this guy cameron kaiser is opening a 300 million dollar casino resort and the surprise reveal is that it's all based around the joker so the casino itself is called joker's wild uh and then from there, I love this episode finally explains why everyone's always breaking out of Arkham because it is apparently super fucking easy. Yeah, this is the first time we actually get. I mean, we we kind of saw Batman 
almost breakout of, yeah. of Arkham. Kind of. He kind of broke in and broke out. And then, of course, the Joker escaped in Christmas the Joker. Yeah. On a, a, but we'll on give the him that Christmas because tree. no one expects the Christmas tree to be yeah. rocket powered. But he's like, I don't even I didn't even write in the details, but it's like he like throws some soap on the water, or like soapy water on the floor and chips the guys. And he literally just opens a door and walks yeah, outside. There's no locks in Gotham and Arkham. No, it's really bizarre. Yeah. Um, it, almost the point where it felt like they shouldn't have even shown him escape because it it just seemed too easy but i mean this this episode feels very even with the art style because i don't know if you know acom came back for this episode oh i didn't know that oh okay Um, Mm, they kind of they kind of restructure themselves Mm -hmm. but this feels almost like a looney tunes episode well it does and there's very specific references to looney tunes all the way through it yeah Especially yeah. in the end. Oh my god! Especially in the uh, end. Yeah. But even with the art style, um, there's a lot of blend frames. Do you know what those are? I don't. Um, it's blender stretch frames where you've seen them all the time, and they're they're famous on the internet for people freezing on them. And it's where to save animation time, they'll do a regular frame, and for fast movement, they'll have a character kind of stretched or elongated. Oh, in the second frame, and in okay. the third frame, they'll be in the second spot. So when you play it fast, it looks like they're moving, but they're actually just kind of stretching across the space. Oh, okay, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, and usually we haven't seen that in this show. It's been very um, stiff, isn't the right word, but very um, rigid in their mm-hmm. in their style. They draw every frame out. Yeah, uh, and this is the first time we see that kind of fluidity and that kind of cartoonish mm. style, uh, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I. I actually want to go back and rewatch it now, kind of knowing that. I mean, maybe some part of my brain registered that, but I didn't really think about it. But. There, there was one frame specifically that I saw, because I think they held it on for too long, and mm-hmm. it's when, the very end, there's a helicopter crash. We'll get to all this eventually. Yeah. Uh, and right as it crashes, uh, you see Joker kind of, like, fall like, in the window, mm-hmm. and they just kind of freeze on him, just kind of splatted on the window for a second. Okay. And then you see him fall the rest of the way, and I think it was... It might have oh. been a mistake, but I, I really enjoyed it where you actually get to see the... I vaguely they recall that. One frame for a second. Okay, I vaguely recall. It's been a couple days I watched it. I only kind of remember that. I definitely didn't watch it 30 minutes before recording this. <laughs> well, you're much busier than I am, so I totally understand <laughs> that. But So we will get to the plane crash or the, the helicopter crash eventually, but uh, Bruce is at the opening of the casino, mm-hmm. Uh and then Alfred shows up and now he's bad equipped to figure out the hell is going on because he knows the Joker is going to do something. Um, he believes that Kaiser changed the theme of the casino at the last minute. Uh, the Joker shows up and he's able to blend in because all the employees are dressed as either Joker or as Harley. Mm-hmm. He decides to go play blackjack as a I dealer at one of the tables. Scene. And it, it is this a great scene. Might have been my favorite Joker scene. Yeah, because he, so he's messing with people at the table. Kaiser sees on the monitor that it is the Joker there, and he just lets him do his thing. Uh, and it's great. And this is part we're talking about. Bruce goes and sits down at oh, the man. table and just fearlessly mocks the Joker to his face. Joker's still kind of trying to blend in, not give away who he is. It is a really fun scene yeah. to watch. And just hearing the voices, because this is the first time it's... Um, Bruce and the Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin Conner does the Bruce voice in, the, in this interaction. And you can almost like feel how much fun the voice actors are having with this scene. It's a fun scene. It's great. Yeah. And you see Bruce kind of... So, obviously, Joker is like a rigged deck, so he always pulls a 20 or 21 out yeah and bruce using his super ninja skills pulls out his own 21 well he he learned magic yeah of both course. sleight of hand and actual magic at some point yeah 
He's probably been to the Magic Castle. <sighs> Don't rub it in. <laughs> but it, it was just a, a very nice scene. It was very fun. It, it was playful. Yeah. And it's something we hadn't seen before, which was cool. I mean, they, they do a great job of not making the Joker episodes too repetitive. This one in particular, they, they gave it kind of a fun mm-hmm. new angle on that. Um, but Bruce bests the Joker at the table, basically, uh, and just kind of rubs it in and yeah. then changes into Batman. Joker spots Batman. He steals the Joker mobile, which I guess is his Joker mobile. I guess so. I'm assuming Kaiser like bought off a police impound or something like that. And then crashes it along with Batman. So Batman's temporarily out of commission. Uh, And then we find out the scheme to your point, which actually holds up pretty damn well. It makes a lot of sense that Kaiser was in huge debt from building the thing. So he decides to make it Joker themed, knowing the Joker will attack, destroy the place and he can cash in on the insurance claim. Mm -hmm. So, I'm sure it's a plot that's been done countless times off the top of my head. I'm actually struggling to think of an example. I can't think of any of it. I know I've seen it before. I just can't remember. But we, I don't know if we ever talked about it on the podcast, but we joked about um, how like Gotham insurance works. And if it's like, do you, is it like per villain (laughs) for villain or like, do you get to, do you have to choose villains based on your insurance plan? Like you get four villains and you have to just constantly, it's just a a game of like poker where you have to guess which, which villain is going to be is going to do something crazy this week? What I love, like Penguin's been going crazy this year. Yeah, I got oh, have he, the Penguin He's been insurance. real busy. He's you know he's got the Iceberg Lounge. He's building up some enemies. Yeah, shit's going to go down. I also love the idea that uh, not only could that be a thing, that could absolutely be a plot one of the villains would come up with too. Oh, like yeah. it is, it is a scheme worthy of like Penguin or the Joker actually to try and set something up like that. Yeah, it'd be it'd be amazing. I would love a whole story about that. <laughs> Well, we know that Kaiser maxed out on his Joker insurance on this one. Absolutely. He, he needs it. Um, and uh, Batman confronts him in his office and he he stuns him and basically just dumps him down at the Joker's feet and down in the basement. The Joker is setting up the whole place to blow. Uh, Batman gets tied to a giant roulette wheel. I was, I was going to say another there. thing that I love that kind of raises the fun of this episode is the giant props are back. We haven't oh, had a chance true. to have giant props this in this series no, so far no and that was kind of a staple of the 60s and 70s was the the giant ridiculous things yeah I know, especially I, the joker yeah i know soon we're gonna get the origin of the giant penny in the bat cave okay i think it's almost got him we're gonna get that but you're right like we we don't have a lot of that and then here we do yeah uh i think one of the best examples of that is uh in the new batman adventures the legends of dark knight episode where it's You've probably seen it. It's the one where uh, it's like a whole bunch of kids telling tales about Batman. Okay. So one of them is uh, basically a recreation of the Dark Knight Returns. One of them is oh, Joel where they Schumacher make fun of the, Joel Schumacher. Yeah, he's yeah. the the pink bow and he's super flamboyant. And then one of them is like a reference to the Dick Sprang era. And so it's Batman and Robin fighting the Joker in a giant like music hall and like yes. all giant instruments. Uh, we'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Tangent aside, so Batman tied to the giant roulette wheel. Uh, he tells the Joker what Kaiser's whole scheme is. So the Joker is like, "Well, fuck this." He decides decides not to blow up the bombs, but he still spins through that wheel and throws a grenade onto it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I, I have a question for you. When Batman goes to get out of this, we see him pull a grapple out of his utility belt. What did you think he was going to do with that? Definitely not what he did. Yeah, because I one assumes he's going to grapple off the thing. No. He launches the grapple, catches the grenade that's bouncing around, and it flies off into a giant mouth Joker of a statue. Joker statue and blows up, and that's how he escapes. Yes. 
Uh, to their credit, I wasn't expecting that, so it was a nice surprise. Yeah. Also, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Don't get it. Uh, but he he does escape, and the Joker hijacks Kaiser's chopper. Batman pursues with his glider again. Again, how the hell does he keep up with that? Him? That glider is magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he does catch up with them. Uh, the helicopter crashes into the casino. Where apparently there's that stretch. What is it called? Uh, it's either a, a stretch frame or a blind frame. Okay. Where he gets all stretched out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Joker gets captured, goes back to Arkham. Yeah. That's basically it. Was it. it was fun. Oh, and then the very end, they do a Looney Tunes ending where they they're, they're watching the news. Joker changes the channel and it, you see the actual Looney Tunes logo. Looney Tunes logo. Because well, also at the beginning when he's being walked into the common area at Arkham, he's whistling the Looney Tunes theme. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then he does an impression of the Looney Tunes character. I don't, I looked it up and I forgot to write it down. Which one? Um, but yeah, it's very Looney Tunes heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also some polls from the 89 movie. I don't know if you got those. I, I didn't One, I mean, they're small, but one is smashing the TV like he does in the movie. Oh, yeah. And the other one yeah. is he threatens to rip someone's lungs out, which was something that Jack okay. Nicholson's Joker threatened to do. Forgot about that. Yeah. Those are the only bits of trivia for this entire episode. <laughs> I, you, you probably have more notes on this than I do. Uh, I don't actually have that many notes. Let's see. Um, oh, I wanted to bring up uh, this question for you. So mm-hmm. we, we, always make fun of the Arkham guards and how they're inept. obviously not good at anything. Incredibly inept. Um, and the first guard who just kind of like knows that the Joker is going to escape just lets him escape. Oh, Do yeah. you think that um, Cameron, what's his face? Kaiser. Yes. Do you think that he paid the guards to let him escape? Cause he oh. needed, he needed him to escape maybe i i do vaguely recall now one of the guys seeing him i guess in my mind i expected that guard to reappear somewhere like he's going too, to have to get he help didn't. he didn't i that might be a possible explanation i mean i think the real explanation is that they just were short-sighted and they were probably a scene they had written in that they Mm-hmm. cut out for time but it's possible but then this brings up a whole new idea of gotham with all of the constant explosions and fires that we talk about from the villains that are just somehow escaping Arkham, do you think that the elite of Gotham have kind of the guards in their pocket to be like, oh, my company's not doing well. My my one of seven chemical companies isn't doing well. We're just going to cash in on the insurance. (sighs) Batman is obviously going to blow it up. Yeah. You know what? I'm willing to buy that theory. Gotham is so damn corrupt that I've, you know what? I'm just going to say, yes, that is a true thing that happens. Yeah. I, I really, I like that (laughs) idea. That is the most logical theory ever to explain why Gotham is constantly getting destroyed. Yeah. Because, because no business is ever happening. Everyone's too afraid of villains to pop up so they're just constantly cashing in the insurance money it's just a constant loop oh my god it must suck to have an insurance company in gotham yeah like you were just constantly handing out insurance claims yeah you have to be oh i feel kind of bad for those guys <laughs> no no i don't they chose to live in gotham it's a terrible decision on their part right. uh, uh and yeah the only other note i had was acom is back mm-hmm. uh they had a new layout um designer which kind of is um almost like the in-between person between storyboarding and 
animation okay uh to kind of give them a frame to work with which is uh, which was definitely needed after acom's last lackluster performance Ew. Uh, and so i think that kind of helped boost it and another reason i think this episode is more like fun and mm-hmm. goofy is i don't remember who directed it but they aren't like i can look it up um they're not the i don't i just remember reading this they're not the best with action scenes okay like obviously like you know the catching the grenade with the with the um grappling hook was amazing but you know that fight in the helicopter it was fine but not nearly comparable to you know the fight we had in um the riddler episode or any kind of big fight we've had in previous episodes so i think they just kind of goofed it up a little bit to kind of cover the like kind of the lack of fighting yeah that is a good point there's not a lot of action in this episode yeah is there but you're right it does make up for it though and and being more of a uh a goofy dialogue driven mm-hmm. episode and i think the dialogue is really solid in it actually yeah, i love it it's pretty funny I'm, I'm looking up real quick to figure out who uh directed this boyd kirkland yes who's done a lot of them yeah, actually he's, a, he's unfortunately i think he's done a lot of the bad ones uh well let's let's take a quick gander down a wikipedia hole here uh recently he did cat scratch fever not one of the better ones didn't he do he did the, perchance the dream i was about to say he did that the, one, that one's the pretty, mad hatter episode yeah that one's actually quite good though um but fighting scenes is what we're going okay for. Yeah, yeah appointment in crime alley these don't have great fights do they yeah i guess he's better with the kind of the character drama joker's favor which is the uh yeah. introduction of harley quinn so Oh, he did Where the Great Ghost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I do agree with you, though, that I think those are not action-heavy episodes. Oh, my God, he did It's Never Too Late, which is the uh, the gangster at the railroads oh, yes. episode. Oh, so we can thank him for the mangled leg of a child. Oh, the forgotten. Oh. Yeah, so, so he's done a handful of these episodes, and yeah. none of them have ever really been... At, we can almost say that he's better with the psychological villains. I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But I think I think overall this is a pretty solid episode. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Any other notes before we go on to? Uh, uh, if you don't want to watch the episode, please just watch that one scene. That one, of, yeah, watch uh, the one Bruce clip. and Joker playing I, blackjack. I think this is one that's worth watching, uh, especially because we're, we're very much glossing over in favor of our, our preferred episode here. Yeah. But it is worth going and looking at. Uh, real quick, I think this is where we're going to cut in our latest Nerd to School promo. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Ryan and Kelly. Hey guys, it's Ryan and Kelly <laughs> from the Hellmouthy Podcast. Do you want to watch Buffy either again or for the first time ever and talk about it with us? <laughs> You'll be doing talking by yourself, but we'll be talking. Check out the Hellmouthy Podcast on Nerdist School Network. Listen to it. Okay, <laughs> let's try it one more time. <laughs> and there it was, guys. That was the promo. We did it. I'm not sure what it's going to be this week, but I bet you it was good. Yep. All right. So now we're on to the real excitement. The, uh, the tease is over. If you're so smart, why aren't you rich? The introduction to the Riddler. Yes. And uh, we start out at Competitron, mm-hmm. which is the maker of Riddle of, Riddle of the Minotaur game. Uh, the, I guess, CEO. It's not really clear. Whatever. The main guy at the company, Mockridge, he fires Nygma because he doesn't want it to share royalties, even though Nygma created the game. But it was like a work for hire thing and Nigway basically gets screwed out of a shitload of money. So then we jump forward two years and Bruce is in negotiations to buy Competitron because he wants to bring the company there 
to like bring jobs. And across the street on a stock ticker, get that, yeah. That's what I assumed it was. Stock ticker? Or, yeah, I was like, it's like the CNN building has the like the news line. Yeah, the little... The little also used for stocks. Exactly. I'm going to call it a... Cause, yeah, let's call it a stock ticker, whatever. Yeah, that uh, makes more sense. There's a riddle. Why did multi-million dollar deals break down in the wasteland? So Bruce is trying to figure out what the hell that means back at the Bat Cave, where Dick is playing the Minotaur game on the Bat computer, which Alfred reveals is apparently a $50 million computer. Which I guess kind of makes sense considering there's not really internet yet and it right. can do everything. So <laughs> we also learn there's a second computer in this world right now and it's on his fucking wrist. Oh, on his, his palm top computer. Yes. Yeah. Did the palm pilot exist? I don't think so. I don't know if they just, this is still 92. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we had touch screens yet. I'm so glad I have my laptop right here. Uh, no, that didn't come out until 97. So he just happened to choose the word palm top computer. Yeah. Cause it's not only really on his palm, it's on the top of his hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is also like, that is like on par with modern technology in yeah. terms of what it can do actually. Had, uh, since you have watched most of Star Trek, had Star Trek done like a, a risk communication um, thing yet? I don't know. I guess, I guess James Bond has kind of always had the like communi- communicator in the watch well, he's, he, the, the, like well there's a communicator but not like a full-blown computer I know, well, i'm just trying to think where they got the idea of putting it there i don't know um I, I haven't i've seen a decent amount of the original series but i haven't watched next generation where i feel like that's more likely where mm-hmm. something like that would have existed i know that in next gen they don't have communicators anymore they just tap their badges yeah and that chimes in i don't know where that would have really when did come quantum from quantum leap come out didn't he have like the, the um, forearm computer? that was in the 80s mid 80s definitely before this yeah i remember dean stockwell's character al i think was his name i never i just had, know. had that like uh, walk arounds like computer that kind of looked like tetris blocks smashed together okay um i couldn't tell you where that came from to be honest good for them though yeah i mean it's pretty clever this yeah. little thing and it comes in handy later um but so we learn as Robin is playing the game that if you get a riddle wrong, the hand of fate comes and takes you to the part of the maze. Mm-hmm. Uh, his character in the game gets dumped into the wasteland. And that's when Bruce now dressed for Batman realizes that Mockridge owns a club in the wasteland and that he's walking into a trap. So they go to the club. Nigma's there. He handcuffs Mockridge with a puzzle, like a ring puzzle sort of thing. Handcuffs. Batman and Robin crash in a fight ensues. As you'd expect, the whole place catches on fire because always, always. Yeah, <laughs> everything's rigged to blow. Uh, and Robin gets trapped in a giant Chinese finger trap style contraption. And the Riddler gets away with Mockridge. Mm-hmm. He good. also gives him the same kind of setup that we see in the end of uh, the live action movie. Where do you have time to save them both? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Can you either obviously not the same stakes? Yeah. But can you kill one of the Yeah. Other. Can you either you can either save Robin, who's trapped and on fire, basically, or mm-hmm. Mockridge, who are throwing the trunk of her car and driving off. So he, of course, picks Robin. Yeah. As we all would. Standing right next to him. Yeah. You know, he's got to be a good guy every once in a while. Um, and then as they're driving off, Batman and Robin, the city lights start blinking Morris code. And it's a Riddler setting up a trap because now that they know who he is Batman knows right away that it's Edward Nigma. Yeah. He just, he just knows he just calls him Nigma and never calls him the Riddler. Well, uh, no, cause th- he introduces himself as the Riddler and Batman Im- immediately is like, Oh, it's just a play on your name. Yeah. Edward Nigma. Hey, Nigma. Yeah. I think, 
as I was rewatching it again today, I feel like, cause we haven't had a lot of Robin episodes and I think I realized now they hadn't include Robin in this one so that they kind of like the original reason he was introduced. There was a reason for Batman or Robin to be explaining why all these things are going on. Right. It's like, so he has to explain to Robin why he knows who Edward Dingham is, how it's a play on his name. Robin has to explain why what video games are, what video games are, why what the answers are and the riddles and the puzzles and stuff like that. But I'm also glad because I really, really like the dynamic between the two of them. And I think this episode in particular does a great job with it. Yeah. Cause you know, the past couple of times we've seen Robin, it's been more of a conflict. They're butting heads with each other. Yeah. They're not trusting each other. This is a good old, like we're buddies again. Yeah. Story. It, it kind of feels a little bit like the old tv show like it has this playful dynamic between the two of them i mean it's way less ridiculous and robin actually has stuff to do but that's part of the reason i like this one too is that especially as we get to the end which we'll get to shortly robin is a huge factor in getting them through the challenge because he actually understands this world better than batman in some sense mm-hmm. I, I don't know i just I can't not love this episode it's so just, it's i've so seen it wonderful. so many yes. damn times but all right um so the uh, Morse code, it's blinking. Batman uses his supercomputer on his wrist. And the riddle is, when is the Minotaur's owner as high as an elephant's eye? Mm-hmm. I couldn't follow along did with you, his logic. Did you logic. get that reference? It's, he, it's something about corn. What's, what's the song? Uh, so what I think is funny is this. I, one, I think it's funny that Batman knows this because mm-hmm. I feel like after the death of his parents, he would avoid all theater. Okay. Uh, oh, that yeah. is a line from a song from the musical Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we go you know to this. a land. I googled it. Okay. Okay. Well, never mind. Uh, you think I know anything about Oklahoma? That state sucks. I don't know. Uh, the play is not the state. I know. Um, but the line is basically saying, "Where do we go? Where the corn grows as high as an elephant's eye?" Oh, okay. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Because I, I just like okay, corn. I didn't. Yeah, they obviously gloss up, probably for copyright reasons. They just kind of gloss over any other information about yeah. that song. He's like, oh, it's an old song. It's before your time. But, I mean, Batman realizes, okay, corn is also maze, a.k.a. a maze, because mm-hmm. they just opened up a Maze of the Minotaur attraction at the amusement park. At the abandoned amusement park. There's always, yeah. Which I guess this one's technically not abandoned, though, is it? It looks abandoned. I guess because, yeah, it's night. Except for mm-hmm. that one section. But I, I wanted to just quickly shouldn't like so obviously anytime bruce sees a gun or has any kind of inkling towards his parents he kind of freezes up a little bit do you think theater does the same thing same thing to him um what like going to the movies or musical theater because in we i guess it it changes i I guess we don't actually know in in this story we don't know if it was a a movie or yeah we don't know because a lot of times it's going to see zorro Mm mm-hmm um, and then other times it's going to see like a, a play or the opera. I thought that know. one time it was cats. What? Wasn't it cats in one of them? Like the actual like, real life musical cats. Yes. I really don't think so. I hope not, but I feel like I remember one of the stories I mean, it being one. Cats. I think the Wayans have better taste than that. Are you hating on cats? I've actually never seen it, but I've heard it's not very good. Neither have I. Yeah. Uh, except for like, was the one super famous song from it? It's like all alone in the, I don't know. There's one song that like everyone knows from cats and apparently the rest of it sucks ass, but that's a, a tangent aside. Um, maybe I don't see Bruce going to the movie theater a lot. Certainly after that, if that's how his parents, I guess so did die. 
Um, like for example, we never see Nolan's Bruce ever go back to the opera. That's true. So maybe. But that's for sophisticated people, and this is a that's true billionaire playboy philanthropist. Yeah, has less fun than the other billionaire playboy philanthropist. So, yeah. uh, but so they know they have to go to the amusement park, uh, and they have ten minutes to go inside to navigate the maze and save Mockridge. They don't have the utility belts. Uh, all of the traps have been turned deadly, oftentimes with really forced puns. Great puns. <laughs> Great puns. Like uh, what was losers ahead? Losers ahead, and around I the corner, it's one. the the blades mm-hmm. in the wall. Those like are identical losers to the ahead. the blades in the end of the Last Crusade. I think that must have been a deliberate. Okay, I didn't see that confirmation anywhere. I just realized that now. <laughs> but um, they reach a point. Oh wait, real quick. I love the. I just want to talk about something that the the, uh, the riddles. I really like the riddles in the maze. Yeah, they were they were very creative. Yeah. And there's uh, there's a point with them I want to bring up after we give the the whole episode out. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, let's just yeah. get to the rest real quick, and then we can talk into the fun stuff. So, uh, Batman deliberately chooses a wrong answer on a riddle, so the hand of fate flies in. They have one minute left to save Mockridge, and he cuts open the top of the hand, and he uses his palm top computer once again to take control of it. They zoom over to the Minotaur. Uh, it asks his riddle. I didn't write it down, but the answer is the human brain because it's the only thing. Oh, that what has Enigma. what has a million eyes, four lobes, it has no two. muscle but controls two hemispheres. Yes, something, something along those lines. Yeah, but the it's brain. it's the brain. Uh, so even though they get it right, the brothers are like, "Well, kill them anyways," and then Bruce smashes the hand of fate into the Minotaur, and they're safe. But clever Riddler already on his way out of town on a plane yes. and then uh the little wrap-up scene which i really enjoyed i did I, it's, it's kind of the villain getting his own without is this the first in... time the villains gotten away with it uh besides like the the mob bosses clock king clock king got away clayface got away but not only well i guess i guess other people got away this one was the the riddler lost he didn't kill mockridge but he part of his plan was already be gone. I guess I feel like the other guys that kind of like snuck out the last minute, whereas the Riddler is the only one who was smart enough to be like, I'm just going to get out of here now yeah, to cover my own ass. Um, but he gets away, but there's still comeuppance because even though Bruce buys out Competitron and Mockridge nets a nice 10 million, he is now terrified and has like lock his doors at night and slink around with a shotgun because he thinks the Riddler is going to come and get him. Yeah, I love that. It's a great. It's and a, then the last line, which is kind of a riddle into itself, is what's the price of a good night's sleep? Yeah. Which I really enjoy it. I, I think it's great. Like, I think it's part of the reason this is so good because, I mean, like Joker's Wild, there's kind of two villains. I just think this story lands better because Mockridge has, as I say, a greater comeuppance in some ways than... Um, or more ironic comeuppance than Kaiser, and the yeah. Riddler really does get away with it. Like he's he's free at the end; he's not back in Arkham. But God, it's it's so yeah for it's me, so damn good for me. Riddler is this very wonderful and weird combination of Clock King, Scarecrow, and Joker. Okay, where they obviously dress him in a they give him a similar kind of backstory to Clock King cheated out of a bunch of money two yeah. years later he's out for vengeance mm-hmm. um not really wanting to be a super villain just kind of wants his own revenge 
Scarecrow, I guess not really much in this episode, but from what we know about Riddler, he's very much into kind of the psychology of how to trick people. There's been a couple of stories and a lot in his backstory about like he enjoys fooling people and cheating people is kind of a riddle into itself for him. Yeah. Um, similar to how how Scarecrow, his overall goal is just to understand and manipulate fear. Yeah. And well, see how people react to fear. Yeah. Well, cause like even in this, the Riddler will often set up things that are unwinnable. Yeah. Like deliberately. So like Batman does cheat, but the game itself was kind of a cheat. There was no way they're going to get to the maze in 10 minutes to get him. Which from, from my research, that isn't a normal plot point of Riddler. Oh no, really? He usually, at least in like schemes to catch him, he always leaves a clue and it's actually like a tick he has. He, so uh, he has a compulsion. He has to leave a clue behind. Horrible OCD or yeah, yeah, he has to always, uh, even when he doesn't want to, there was a a string of comics, I think in the eighties or early nineties where he was actually like, trying to not do riddles anymore like he knew he could get away with it Mm -hmm. but as he was leaving the building like he couldn't force himself out because he needed to leave some evidence that he was there oh that's interesting Mm -hmm. yeah he it makes him kind of fun makes him a lot of fun i i love everything about the riddler and kind of his so i i looked up his background Mm -hmm. because i was very curious because i'd always heard like he's a villain who's like his, his overall goal is just to trick Batman. Now it's like, you know, that was, it, it kind of makes sense as a villain. Yeah. I wanted to know kind of the history behind that. Mm-hmm. And there were two kind of Riddler backstories that I found. I don't know how they blend in together. He's also had a lot of weird revamps where they're like, Oh yeah. I think didn't recently, like before the new 52, didn't he go good for a while? And then he like yeah, slipped so back. Like, I so just glossed his, over that. His, his biggest gonna... story in my opinion is the hush storyline where he, yeah. where he tricks Bruce's old friend now villain to kind of help him break out all the villains. Yeah. Um, that's, that is a great, I mean, uh, it's, I mean, it's a spoiler to talk about it because we kind of already have, but yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, I, I figured spoilers. You got, if anyone's listening and cares, they've probably read hush at this point. That is probably the best Riddler storyline. Yeah. Um, so right after that, he goes, he, he basically is, I thought hush beat him up. It was actually poison. Ivy beat him to near death to the point where he lost his memories oh God. of being a villain wakes up. And like to pay for all of his crimes, he becomes a PI. And while being a PI or his first case, um, Batman beats him to the punch and he like can't stand it. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, so there's a stent in the late 90s, early 2000s where they team up for a lot of the stories. So I think is very interesting. That's cool. Yeah. And then, yeah. And the before I think just before Final Crisis, you see him as his own private investigator. Mm hmm. And then also right before Final Crisis, he decides to be villain again. Of and, course. and they're also doing this in the New 52 right now. Um, he's no longer a Batman villain. He's now a Green Arrow villain. I saw a picture of him on a Green Arrow cover. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. I think he kind of works because can you name any Green Arrow villain off the top of your head? Count Vertigo. Thank you. I couldn't. <laughs> Uh, from watching all of Arrow, I still couldn't. Well, because Arrow just borrows mostly Batman villains or Flash villains. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's the only one I know off the top of my head. Yeah, so, like, obviously Batman has this amazing rogues gallery, Mm -hmm. and Riddler can never really, compared to the other crazies, because I I group him in with the the crazies villain. Yeah. uh, You know, Joker, Scarecrow, Mad Hatter, etc. He doesn't really stand out in any way. Um, no, I mean that, he, he's great at the supporting role, like we see in the Arkham games. Yeah, he is. That that is also, I think, one of his best uses is in the Arkham games. Yeah, maybe less so in Arkham Knight. Yeah, a little bit. But as but, a as a Green Arrow villain, he really stands out. I could see that uh, because yeah. yeah, he doesn't. No, he Green Arrow doesn't have any great villains. Yeah, no. and it is more because I. I mean, I don't. I haven't read many Green Arrow comics. Green Arrow isn't doesn't have the same intelligence as Batman does, from my understanding. Uh, no, no, he's not as no, he's not genius strategist that Batman is. Yeah, so it's nice to see someone that's kind of not on Riddler's level, kind of try and beat him. Yeah, or that's it fair. is almost. I, I mean, I don't know the story as well, but it's in my opinion, in my mind, it's almost like a brains versus brawn battle for them. Yeah. I guess it would be interesting. I, I haven't read any of that. I didn't actually didn't even know that he was a, a Green Arrow villain now. But I guess that is nice because Batman is smarter than him. So you kind of know it's always going to work out fine. Yeah. Uh, oh, so quick. So backstory for Riddler. Uh, the one that I found the most interesting was um, in all Batman villain fashion. He was beat as a child by his dad. Yep. Um, because his dad just refused to believe that Nigma was this, like he was a genius growing up. He was a yeah. genius kid who had, you know, was very smart at stealing and puzzles and all this stuff. Um, and his dad always thought he was cheating somehow. There's no way his son was smarter than him when he was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And so his OCD and his tick for leaving things behind is to prove that he didn't cheat, that he actually did this on his own. Okay, that makes sense. So I think it's really cool, and it's it's kind of a creative take on the, on the yeah. idea where it's not, he's not just trying to do it to prove his smarts to Batman, but it's kind of this thing in the back of his head. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other the other backstory that I read, which kind of really contradicts that idea. Oh no, <laughs> uh, is that he actually he loved puzzles, and like I said before, he his manipulating people and cheating people was his own form of a puzzle so he quickly became you know a a card shark and pickpocket Mm -hmm. and he would steal his dad's wallet and steal money from his dad all the time (laughs) so his dad to to kind of um kind of nurture that villain side of him would find more creative and harder way and harder things for riddler to steal and that kind of got him better at puzzles and and got him to be this this kind of you know master slide of hand riddler that we have now yeah so his dad kind of took him under his wing and uh yeah, nurtured was, that side yes, of him thank you. that was a, the quote that i found really interesting was if i was going to uh this is riddler talking about his dad talking about him mm-hmm. if i was going to be such a stubborn thief i was going to have to earn it okay i like that yeah that fits yeah because we we've talked before on this podcast that like he is oftentimes just treated as a joker ripoff sort of like that's kind of a lesser joker and i think when he's not utilized well he feels that way but like you know in this show this isn't a joker episode it has a totally different structure to it um it wouldn't work if the joker were in his place and like hush too the whole point is that you don't expect him batman even comments in that comic that you know his 
shtick is getting tired and what does he do like he's the smartest of them all like he actually figures out who batman is and sets this whole thing up but no i I think he can be i think when he's utilized well he is great i just don't think he's often utilized that well right yeah kind of going off that point um there was another quote that i found that i love um when riddler finds out bruce's identity as batman um he he, uh bruce's kind of retort to that because you know riddler is trying to um oh yeah trying to gloat like oh I yeah have he's your like secret what are you what are you gonna do i have your secret identity i can reveal it at any time i have power over you yeah and batman's answer is riddles are your compulsion your addiction uh and a riddle that everyone knows the answer to is worthless yeah so he kind of he just shuts it, it, him it down spoils the riddle if he reveals who batman is yeah which i love i think that's hilarious always has the upper hand batman yeah um yeah this there are also two other quick quick points in this episode which i really loved um the very slight video game references oh yeah that i have to bring up because i love the games that they reference um the when robin is playing the game in the bat cave it's very reminiscent of old atari games Mm -hmm. the one that i connected to immediately was et because he's just kind of moving around and not doing anything okay never played Um, it no one should it's it's wasn't the one that they like that's the one they buried they buried yeah Yeah. Yeah. um uh the hand of fate is very similar to the hand of andros andros from star trek no damn it star fox franchise oh i kind of remember that uh which would make sense because i feel like the, the first iteration of Star Fox came out 9091 i don't i don't know that one for sure i don't know I'm yeah. sure someone's gonna yell at me for not giving that the right answer mm-hmm. um do you see who the voice of riddler was i did uh it is john john glover, glover. uh who's also lionel luther from the stop damn it small smallville smallville not small world smallville yes. franchise possibly also small world but definitely smallville <laughs> sorry i'm getting all caught up in my word do you know his other dc comics appearance um no he is dr woodrow in batman and robin i think it's dr woodrow the the crazy scientist who turns pamela isley into poison ivy oh that's awesome yeah i did not know that i love him he's awesome yeah i think those are all my notes yeah i mean i I don't have much else. Um, everyone kind of knows like his other iterations. He was played by Frank Gorshin in the sixties and he's been in like all of the, uh, um, other animated forms. He's obviously in the games. And then of course, most famously infamously played by Jim Carrey and Batman Forever. I, I mean, that was my first kind of intro to the Riddler. Yeah. And I think it was for a lot of people. Yeah. And we've talked about that before where most of that movie doesn't work, but I will say that Jim Carrey's Riddler does. Mm-hmm. Even though they played him, I learned that it's different from his comic persona. The comic persona kind of changed because of him. I could see that. Before yeah. he was more of a clock king type mm-hmm. person. He was very methodical and you would think things out he they kind of turned him into a joker-esque character well look at the way he's used in this versus the way he's used in that movie right like that shows it right there like you know he's got the bowler hat and he's very kind of he's sophisticated in his own way and he's you know he's already planned his escape before the whole thing even starts like he's already out yeah he's not just a loon which Mm -hmm. is kind of what they did with him yeah and um the movie but it was fun it is Um, it is fun i have a soft spot for batman forever yeah uh and then last super quick question um do you think batman was too smart in this episode 
Oh, oh, kind of like how like James Bond will just pull out like completely random. Yes. Like Little. very, very specific references like wine and stuff like that. At random moments. Maybe a little bit. Um, I mean, okay. I'm trying to think if there's any examples where like Batman isn't likely to have already known that. I mean, the one thing that didn't quite fly for me was him like, like off the top of his head, remembering that Mockridge owned a club called the Wasteland. Uh, admittedly, Dick was on the computers; he couldn't just look it up. Mm-hmm. That may be a little bit far fetched. I guess it doesn't surprise me too much. With I mean, it makes sense because he knew who Edward Nigma was yeah. beforehand. Um, maybe a little bit. It didn't feel particularly egregious, though. Okay, I did it for you. Uh, no, it was. I think this is the first time we see him at his potential. Every other time, they kind of dumb him down for the situation. Yeah, I feel like this is the Batman that we should be seeing more. This smarty smart one. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I think he's about as smart as he should be in this. Cause you're right. Another, there's no point where he feels like he fell into a really easy, dumb trap. Right. Which is rare. Maybe that's part of the reason I like this episode too, is that Batman never feels really stupid. Like yeah. he does half the time. No trash cans, <laughs> no trains, no real uh, PSAs. Yeah. They're not just don't trying to fight a giant minotaur PSA. Yeah. They're not trying to just like force them into peril when they don't have to, yeah. or they, they have to. So they just, I don't know. Um, no, I think I, I genuinely think this is one of the best episodes. I prefer this to heart of ice. I know heart of ice is considered like the best one. That one is much more emotional mm-hmm. than this one. I just, I love this episode. Me too. Yeah. I, I am was like, it was like this episode and then phantasm, like the two that I'm super excited about. Yeah. And we're getting actually kind of close ish to phantasm. I know. I think, you know, like two more months, I think sometime in March we're getting around yeah. to it actually, which, Exciting. uh, and oh, like I didn't think about this last time we're recording. I only thought about it once I was like putting it all together and you point out 20 episodes in. Well, yeah. We're doing pretty good. We're doing solid. Yeah. Like, damn, I just missed that entirely. But Oh, no, it's awesome. Yeah. It's exciting. We'll do, yeah. we'll do a big celebration at like 50 or something. Something like that. Yeah. Or maybe around 25. I do want to start bringing in some bonus stuff. I, I do want to find a time to do your, um, uh, the evolution of the sidekick. Okay. Bonus recording. I want to find a time to squeeze that in there. Cause I think it'd be fun to start doing. All right. Um, but I think at this point, bat plug, bat plug, you got something for us? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I watched, um, <laughs> I watched the new triple X movie. Oh, this is where you text me about that. So so I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. We have this scale. If it's a bad, good movie or a good, bad movie. Yes. And this is one of the best bad movies I've seen in a long time. Is it? It's kind of like because of the Fast and Furious franchise, the whole like dumb action film has kind of like the bar has been raised a little bit to kind of have a story. Weirdly enough, it has both been raised and lowered at the same time because of Fast and the Furious. We haven't. And I think also I just thought of this. I think the rise of disaster films has kind of shoot away from like just the dumb action movie. Um, Uh, Because the last dumb action movie I can think of is San Andreas. Yeah, we're getting fewer disaster movies because they're just so done at this point people because now we're just living one no oh god yeah (laughs) but yeah i i think people we're also past the point of like big cg smashy they do that in no okay oh man it's so good guys donnie yin i mean i do love Donnie. so good i was mildly and there's a twist ending 
Who would have guessed the twist ending? Does it also set not up another say triple anything. X movie? I'm sure it does. Kind of. Of course it does. It, it's open-ended where there could be one. Yeah. I mean, this thing also got wrecked at least the domestic box office. Oh, I will save it. So, because what, oh, what beat it out? Hidden Figures was actually holding really well. And then something else came out that same weekend and just took split? it. Split? Yeah, Split beat it. Mm-hmm. Dude, when M. Night Shyamalan beats you at the box office but this is like a lot of people are really enjoying this movie i still won't are see they? it because i can still i'm still boycotting shamalamalan oh oh split um, people like split i do kind of want to see it. it looks i've heard good things about yeah. it no 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 one likes triple x it's just me no. right now I, I mean i like the original yeah I, I think if people like the original they're really gonna enjoy this one because it's just like a dumb turn your brain off enjoy the explosions kind of movie i don't think i could even deal with it. i feel like it'd be so dumb i it's would so hurt. it would great. hurt me oh just, physically just pain gotta me enjoy it to watch it just do it for donnie yen i do He's love donnie so good i do love donnie yen, and and but. uh vin diesel like his character uh, like there's been like a 20 year jump in time between the movies just because it, it fits the timeline well it's or 10 years. That's it. It's yeah. yeah. 10 years. Uh, but his wardrobe hasn't changed a day. Well, no, of still the cutoff sleeves, still yeah. the like colored camo. I love it. Does he ever out of the words family? He doesn't. Unfortunately, I oh, feel like that's okay. in his contract. He, he, he can't <laughs> say that in any other movie. The contract he wrote for himself. Yeah. With Fast and the Furious. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's my, that's my plug. <laughs> People should go see it. You don't have to, but it's, you know what? Uh, it's a fun it's fun uh, it's just fun fuck you because now i have to conclude that (laughs) in the episode description on facebook and stuff because i always try and like promote what we plug so people can get access to it so now i have to oh fuck you now i gotta support that damn movie yep gotta do it (sighs) okay what do you what do you got to plug well i uh i did watch series of unfortunate events it was good i i I never read the books. I didn't have quite the connection to it. I found it hard to kind of get going, but then once it got going, I really, really liked it. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm excited for them to continue. It's a lot of fun. Um, I really love the opening song, actually. It's been like stuck in my head all week. Oh, the Neil Patrick Harris song? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So uh, I watched that, and then I've been reading the Injustice comic. Oh, yeah, you were talking about that. Yeah, because I had read an article earlier this year about like the kind of the best comics, and that pop up, like, popped up on there. I'm like, how, like, how can a comic series based off of a fight video game that happens to feature DC comics characters be good. Not only is it better than that should be, it is better than most other DC books I've read in a while. It is phenomenal. Um, Because it gets to be in its own universe, they can do whatever they want. They can kill everybody. Uh, Everyone is in it. Like any DC comics character you can imagine is in there. Even the point of being characters that I don't know. I, I love that in a series. Yeah. If I have to stop and look someone up, I really yeah, they have some, kind of enjoy that boost of knowledge. Especially in the... So it's it's broken up into years. So like each year has two volumes. So by the third year, they're bringing in magic characters. And I know most of them. It's like Constantine and Zatanna and stuff. But there are other ones. I'm like, who the fuck are these people? Some really cool pools. It, it is amazing. It, it, it shows why the Batman versus Superman dynamic is so good. And they do a great job of it. They are... On opposite sides. So the the quick summary is uh, the Joker basically detonates a bomb in Metropolis that also kills Lois. And Superman snaps and literally punches him through the chest and kills him. So he basically decides that he there will be no more Jokers. So he's going to stamp out violence anywhere possible. And Bruce is like, no, you're a murderer. You, you broke the line. I'm going to take you down. And 
those two characters work best against each other when they do have history. It can work when they don't. We're going to see that in this very universe that they're they're kind of square off when they first meet in the Timverse. But in general, if they have history together, it's so much more interesting because not only do they respect each other, they do, they do kind of love each other. Like they are really close friends. Yeah. And um, throughout the series, even when they're like going head to head, like there's this weird respect between them, even though they're trying to kill each other. It is amazing. I highly, highly recommend it. I actually download all of it off of the DC comics app, which is connected to comiXology. There was a big sale, which unfortunately is over. Uh, so they're not cheap anymore, but it is really, really good. I highly recommend it. Games are also pretty fun. I've never played the games. Like I'm, I'm not sequels I, coming out soon. Yeah. Pretty soon. Yeah. I've never been one for fighting games. They don't really do it for me. Like I watched the trailers and like, I'm interested from a story perspective, but the gameplay isn't, I don't know. Yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. I probably won't get no, it. I mean, it's no smash bros, but it's still fun. See, I don't even like smash bros. Oh, don't say that. No, nope. oh, we're going to end it on you saying you don't like smash bros. Okay. It's hard. I'm just going to shit all over your dreams here and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. So, um, as always, we are at Tim talk pod on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter where you can find links to our bat plugs, including Fucking, fucking triple the X. return of xander cage oh so painful but uh we're there i'm at lordifer i'm at cameron cameron dot dexter oh, i'm glad you, you're catching yourself now i'm figuring it eventually out eventually it'll just get so ingrained they'll just yeah. roll off the tongue uh and then of course we are now part of the new school network so go check out the other podcasts uh one of which we have promoted earlier in the show and check out nerdschool.com and i think that does it Thanks, guys. All right, thanks. Bye. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit nerdistschool.com.